Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thanks for downloading. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And straight off the practice field in Nashville, Tennessee, it's the coach, Corey Burton. A good, not sweaty practice where the heat index was about 100. Um, boys are uh, trying to get them into shape. We just started school yesterday, so... Man, I'm, I'm I'm fired up to be here. Uh, check out our SEC preview. We uh, we brought the thunder on that one, and we're going to bring the thunder here, man. Darn right we are. And finally, the third amigo in the second city, a man who has an ever-improving dark game. It's our intrepid <laughs> blogger, Josh Cook. Yeah, good to be back with you guys, talking some more college football preview in these conferences. Speaking about previews, here's a shameless plug. Still doing the uh, Big Ten previews over at Big Ten and counting. Check us out. Google it. We're doing some good stuff. Excellent. Excellent. And, Josh, I know you had a a quick thing you wanted to mention before we got going today. Yeah, I know we're doing the ACC today, but um, just some sad news came across the wire. Um, Colorado football coach uh, Bill McCartney, um, not a good diagnosis. Alzheimer's, um, dementia, things like that. That's pretty sad. And, um, you you know, he coached just long enough ago that I'm not sure people really – know about him. I, I sort of remembered him because Iowa has a lot of Nebraska people, especially on the west side of the state and Colorado and, and Nebraska had such good rivalry games. But the, the 30 for 30 that came about came out about him recently uh, made me want to research some more about him. So, you know, Colorado's not a bad program. They're over 500 and like little under 700 wins. But um, their heyday was with McCartney there in the uh, – Late 80s, early 90s, he coached them to 93, 55-5 record. So a pretty healthy chunk of their wins came under him. Mm-hmm. And obviously they're, they're 89-91, to 91, those three seasons. Uh, three straight Big 8 titles. Um, they won 30 games to just five losses and two ties. And also in that stretch was their 1990 co-championship uh, for a national title. He stunned the football world by retiring in 94 after an 11-1 and year uh, to focus on his charity. And I can't – I mean, his resume is so impressive. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. But um, based on his retirement, kind of a what-if also. You think about if he had coached them, some of those uh, mid-90s and late-90s Colorado teams were pretty good under new Heisel and Barnett. Uh, I feel like they might have had another national title or two. They could have really been the team of the decade. But, um, you know, sad news for our Colorado fans. I don't know if we have any listeners who are Buffalo fans. But uh, certainly certainly that was sad to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he was such a great figure for the Colorado program. You know, you hear the guys talk about him and, and they rave. You know, they had nothing but positive things to say about him. He made a huge impact on the Boulder community. So, and you hate to see this, and you, you know, you hate to see anybody go through this. Yeah, you really do. It's that's, uh, it, that's really serious. 
it's a sad day, and we hope that he gets, uh, you know, the best medical treatment that he can for it. But uh, we're going to move along to the main topic of the day. So we are continuing our 2016 conference previews with the ACC. So just like last time, we're starting at the bottom and going to the top of each division before predicting the conference champ and individual awards. Lucky for me, we're getting the worst out of the way right at the beginning in the BC Eagles. Josh, how grim are things looking in Chestnut Hill? They're pretty grim. Um, I'm going to highlight the positives just to, to be that guy, be a half glass half full type of guy. Their quarterback situation last year was a nightmare because of injuries. Those guys are healthy. Darius Ware had some flashes before he got hurt last year. Uh, he's a pretty mobile quarterback, and when you're a team without much talent like BC, I do think having a mobile quarterback is a plus uh, because it keeps defenses a little more occupied. Uh, John Hillman is a pretty solid running back, so the, the BC backfield should be way better than last year just by staying healthy. Uh, replacing defensive coordinator Don Brown, who went off to Michigan, is huge. The defense, I think, will still be good. They were number one in the nation last year. Um, but without Brown, they probably will have a little bit of a slide. And then, obviously, we don't know what that locker room's like with all the rumblings about Adazio. And that's honestly why I picked BC to be last. Um, Adazio concerns. The offensive line is probably the worst in the entire league. But uh, silver lining, this is a super, super easy schedule. Their non-conference is Massachusetts, Wagner, Buffalo, and Connecticut. In league, they host Syracuse and Wake Forest. Uh, they have that weird opener with Georgia Tech and Ireland. So that's kind of a you know, 50-50 toss-up with all that travel. We don't know what teams are going to show up for that one. Um, so even if they make a bowl game, which I think is possible with how much of a joke the schedule is, if I'm the AD, I'm honestly still looking at Adazio. We've seen Ron Zook get fired despite making a bowl game. Adazio's career has not been very good. They could make a bowl game. I don't see it. But even if they get to 6-6, six and six, I'm not sure that's enough to keep Adazio around because the cons for his career at BC have been too great. I mean, you can't, with that schedule, Josh, you can't go 6-6. Six and six. I mean, you, you, you just can't. You know, that, that's inexcusable. I mean, yeah, there's some tough games. You're at Florida State. You're, at, you're home against Clemson. And you're at Virginia Tech. And you're, uh, well, it's a virtual, it's a neutral site game in Dublin, Ireland versus Georgia Tech. So that could go either way. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, Syracuse, NC State, winnable ball game. Louisville, they're tough, but you never know what you're going to get with them, and they could be that could be a winnable game. UConn, definitely a winnable game. At Wake Forest, you know, definitely a winnable game. But and and you got guys coming back from injury on offense, and your offense was worse in the country, so it can only go up. Defense is returning a bunch of starters, so there's no excuses there if they lose. So you know they're just going to have to win a bunch of ugly games, and you know I think the magic number for for Adazio is eight wins. I think if he gets to eight wins, it's a tough decision. Anything less, it's an easy decision. Anything more, you know, you got to keep him around at that point. Yeah, you know. You know they just got to get some more consent. Yeah, obviously the, the the biggest loss for them uh, wasn't on on the field per se, but it was probably Don Brown, their defensive coordinator, who left for Michigan. Um, last year under Brown, they, they actually had one of the better defenses in the country in terms of, you know, yards per game, points per game, but they just had zero offense to go with it. And outside of John Hilleman, they – you know, they, I don't think they've got a whole lot coming back. They've got, um, you know, they've got Patrick Towles, formerly of uh, 
Kentucky, who's probably going to be, you know, behind center for them this year. But, you know, he's a graduate transfer, and he was, you know, middling at best in his time with the Wildcats. So Yeah, he was was very underwhelming, Patrick Tolles. And he was a kid that had a lot of promise coming out of high school. I remember seeing his tape and say, hey, Kentucky might be nasty. They finally got them a quarterback they can work with, and he just never really developed. So, I don't know. Maybe he can get under Scott Leffler, his offensive coordinator, and then and really flourish under him in his one long year that he'll have with BC. So, I don't know what they're going to do. They're, they're searching for answers there, and, you know, they're going to have to find some at camp this year. And they're going to have to find a lot of them where it's going to be uh, – I might be applying for that job. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they, they are going to need some answers this year. And another team that is looking for answers in uh, head coach Dave Clawson's third year is number six – um, for us in the ACC Atlantic, and that is the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Now, they might have won our uh, our best name bracket uh, earlier in the year, but they did not, they're not quite pulling that same weight on the field this year. And, you know, it's going to be another more tough sledding for them because they just, they seem to have quite the talent gap, um, uh, you know, in terms of looking at them versus looking at other teams in the ACC. Uh, Josh, what are you uh, predicting down there for Wake this year? Yeah, you mentioned their lack of talent. Um, that's an offset maybe a little bit, hopefully, if you're a Demon Deacon fan, by the youth movement, knowing that they were going to take their lumps. Uh, Wake played really young the last few years. Um, they returned some nice wideouts. Uh, Cam Sergan, I hope I'm saying that last name right, is a pretty nice tight end, all things considered. And uh, they have four linemen who played significant time that are, are back this year, so maybe grow through experience. Uh, I think quarterback play will also be improved. Uh, Wake was a little bit like BC. They kind of got bit by the injury bug a year ago at that position. And the two kids played most of the year are both back. Uh, One's more pro style. The other's more of an athlete. So kind of gives that offense a pinch more flexibility if they're both healthy. But if Wake makes a bowl game, and that's not as big an if for BC. I think they might I think they will make a bowl game, actually, if that offensive line holds up. But they get a really good defense. Um, four guys on that D are being looked at by the NFL. Defensive coordinator Mike Elko might be one of the best-kept secrets in the business. Uh, this team just needs to find a little bit more scoring. They're, they're really not that far off. And they took their punches last year. But, like I said, if that offensive line – grows through experience, Wake should be able to make a 13th game because they uh, have three winnable non-conference games. They host Virginia, they host BC, and they host Syracuse. That's six right there. Maybe they pull an upset and beat Indiana on the road. Um, Let's be honest, it's Indiana. I like the Hoosiers this year, but there's a reason why Big Ten fans kind of joke about Indiana. So there are wins to be had there again, if that offensive line holds up. Well, you know, anytime you return experienced guys that have been through, you know, the rigors of an ACC schedule, I, I think that's a huge plus. You know, even if they, those guys aren't as talented, they're going to at least compete. And when you get in those six ball games you just named, if they can just compete and stay there, they've been through it. They've been through the tough times. They've been through a rough three and nine season. They know what it's like to lose. Maybe they can turn that around. You know, I, Dave, Dave Austin did a great, great, this is why he kind of got this job here at Wake Forest. Um, 
And if they're just patient with him, I think that slowly and steadily he will implant his culture in Wake Forest and you'll kind of see that thing start to turn. Um, I just hope that the athletic department is willing to be patient with him and willing to give what give him what he needs in order to be successful. And I think you'll see that. You know, you name some guys that, that are coming back. And this quote, this quote by Dave Clawson kind of says it all to me. Says I'd rather be young and experienced than young and inexperienced. So you know, uh, with the whole youth movement deal, they have a, a much better, but uh, they have a much better arrow uh, pointing up than Boston College does. And I think that'll be kind of the uh, that'll be kind of the tiebreaker right there. And they they do have a chance at a bowl game uh, if, if they get the right bounces. Yeah, one thing they're going to have to do, though, to make a bull game this year is definitely work on uh, their turnover margin. They were minus 13 last year. And, you know, that's, you know, that's pretty bad. And, you know, in a lot of those close games that they'll be yeah. in, they're going to have to, they're going to have to do better with uh, on the turnover battle. So that's, that's huge right there. So uh, we're going to keep it moving on to number five in the Atlantic, and that is the team of my youth, the Syracuse Orange. Dino Babers um, is in to spread it out and chuck the ball all around the Carrier Dome. And, uh, you know, those those have got uh, Syracuse fans really excited, um, you know, considering that the offenses that he's had um, in the past. So, Josh, uh, what does Western New York have to look forward to this season? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head right there with Dino Babers. God, 19 and 7, 14 and 1 at Eastern Illinois. Follow that up by 18 and 9, 12 and 4 with Bowling Green. You said it. He knows offense. He knows high octane from his days at Baylor. This is a, this is a great, great hire for Syracuse. And they have a healthy Eric Dungy under center to run this system. He showed up some promise last year before injuries derailed his year. My reservation with Syracuse is they have a much harder schedule than Boston College and Wake. Um, They travel to both of those similarly talented teams, but they had the more difficult non-conference thanks to an improved South Florida. They had a crossover date with Pitt, which is something that neither Wake or BC has. I think Syracuse is more talented and, and might be better coached, but don't be surprised if... Syracuse goes five and seven and Wake goes six and six. That doesn't necessarily mean Wake is a better team. It just means Syracuse's schedule was much, much harder than Wake. Josh, you hit the nail on the head right there. I think Dino Babers is the best they could have done. I think Dino Babers has, has set himself up nicely uh, to make a to make a run and compete in this division. I mean, I, I think there's there's not a whole lot of difference between them and NC State talent wise. I, I think philosophy wise. They set up well. I think that you're starting to see a lot of people go to spread now and they really take advantage of that. And I, I really like the way Dino Babers will attack the defenses. And, and I really think that if he can just get some lucky bounces with his schedule, he will. Uh, I, I think that he can be successful. But again, you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to be successful this year. This is going to be the. Let's get used to Coach Babers. Let's let's get comfortable in the system. Let's grind through some of these tough road games, and uh, and let's 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 kick ass next year. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a uh, an odd year for Syracuse because I think they're probably going to be the most talented team to finish last in their division because I think they're more talented. 
I don't think they're going to finish last, but I, I think they're going to finish towards the bottom. Um, and that's not that's not due to talent. That's due to that's due to scheduling. So I think I think Wake Forest, you're right. Wake Forest does have that leg up on them. Yeah, you know the one thing that they're really going to have to worry about though is they're only they've only got two uh, returning starters on the offensive line, Omari Palmer and Jason Emrick, and neither of those guys are tackles. And with Indito Baber's system, you know those tackles are going to be out on an island a lot in pass pro, and so they're going to have young guys, and especially when you're going up against teams like Clemson, Florida State, who've got edge rushers, edge rushers out the wazoo. You know that's going to be a very tall task, and I hope that uh, I hope that Eric Dungey has his rib, rib guard on. He's going to get hit a lot this year. <laughs> so, well, you got to you got to think he's going to adjust a little bit. Yeah, he's going to adjust a little bit. But, you know, I I don't I don't trust that line to you know necessarily hold up yet at this point. I think that they need they're going to need a year or two in the system, especially with all the. Um, all of the you know the blocking scheme uh, calls that they make at at the change uh, at the line of scrimmage, it's going to be it's going to be tough on them, and you know they're going to definitely take their lumps this year. But um, you know, with any luck, they will you know emerge uh, stronger and all the better for it. So um, you know how you com- you know how you combat that, Matt, is, is you you play fast, you mm-hmm. play fast, you and play fast, get a lot of short stuff, and we screen, know- screen, screen, get a lot of short stuff. Um, so, all right, well, let's continue down. Uh, I should say continue up to the middle of the Atlantic Division with the NC State Wolfpack. Um, uh, former Wisconsin defensive coordinator Dave Doran um, is 18 and 20 in his three years there. Um, and, you know, it, this is going to be tough this year to replace Jacoby Brissett, who was a multi-year starter and really sort of all the offense that team had um, for um, a while. So, Josh, uh, you know, what are the Wolfpack looking at this year? It's interesting you bring up their quarterback situation because that was the first thing I had in my notes, and that's because they're making a change. They're moving away from conservative, putting their foot on the gas. Matt Canada's gone. They brought in Eli Drinkowitz from Boise State, who's bringing with him grad school transfer Ryan Finley, who was in his system at Boise. So that – Helps the transition a little bit, but obviously Jacoby was a way, way better quarterback than Finley was. Uh, the other thing that I like about NC State is uh, Dave Hoxable's defense is keyed by Arius Moore. He's a kid that I think could be a dark horse defensive MVP for when we get to later in the show. I didn't pick him, but he certainly has that talent. Um, so I, I think NC State is better than the teams that we just talked about, but you can't put them in the top three either because they have a brutal schedule. They're at Clemson. They're at Louisville. They're at North Carolina. They have Miami in a crossover, and they're one of the ACC teams that's paired up with Notre Dame this year. And obviously they have the divisional foe, Florida State. So that's a lot to ask for a team that, that's shown growth, but, but they're not there yet. So I have this as a bowl team, but nowhere near a contender We'll see if that's enough for Doran to keep his job. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that something that they bring to the table uh, was a top 30 defense. They were number 29 in total defense. Um, I think that, that that has to count for something. Um, Doran is a, has a defensive background, so you know that's going to be a strong point for the Wolf Pack. Uh, a new system, new offensive system. You bring back only two starters on the offensive line. It's going to be tough sledding over there. I, I think in order for NC State to have any, any, any success, Jalen Samuels has got to get going at running back. 
he, uh, he, he needs to have a, about a 1,200, 1,300-yard season. I think the defense is going to have to carry the offense this year. I think special teams is going to have to chip in. I think everybody's going to have to pick up the offense and carry them, especially through the early part of the schedule um, as they get going. Now, if they get hot, uh, you know, look out because, you know, those, those Boise teams, when, you know, when they're on, they're on. When they're, but when they're off, they're off. And, and there's, there's never any in between. So um, they're going to have to rely heavily on the defense if they're going to have any success whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one thing, though, that we'll be able to hang their hat on is their special teams. Uh, Braylon Cherry is one of the best uh, punt returners in uh, in the country. Last year he was 12th nationally with over 13 yards per return. He took, uh, took, uh, took one to the house. And, you know, he's a guy who's, you know, a little guy, but he's, you know, really quick in space and, you know, can juke guys out of their jock straps left and right. So, you know, always field position is going to be big, especially when you're going to be, you know, breaking in a new quarterback and a new system, you know, short field is going to be, you know, obviously very helpful. So um, let's continue on, uh, continue on up the ladder to uh, our number three team. And that is the Louisville Cardinals. Um, Bobby Petrino is uh, in his two-sided career at Louisville is, uh, you know, 58 and 18 in 76 games. And, you know, he's always got a great offense um, if we can ignore the off-the-field issues that he brings with him. So, um, but, you know, he's now essentially coached for life there. So, uh, you know, Josh, uh, what can the Cardinals faithful be looking forward to this year? You mentioned the offense and they've got Lamar Jackson back and, this is a league with some really, really good quarterback talent, and he's right there. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's huge for Petrino. The question for them, and this is what plagued them last year, is that offensive line. Ten players started a game at, on the OL last year. They were woefully inconsistent. I know they showed some flashes, but it's a big ask for this unit to get it done against talent-rich clubs like Clemson and Florida State. On the other side of the ball, you wouldn't expect this with Bobby Petrino, but a consistent, consistent defense has formed at Louisville. Believe it or not, last year was their sixth straight season being the top 25 in total defense. So because of Jackson, because of that defense, I do think Louisville is a contender although they're well behind the Knowles and the Tigers for me. Um, on the plus side, they get Florida State really early and at home, both of which I think are critical when you're trying to pull an upset because Florida State still has some questions at quarterback, so they might, you know, that's early enough that they might not have gelled yet. Um, they also have some of the easier crossover games with a trip to Virginia and hosting Duke. So they're a dark horse, no doubt about it, but even if they don't, uh, I really think the Cardinals have a shot at nine or ten wins. Coach? Yeah, I mean, th- this is an intriguing team because, you know, I-, I think at times last year they looked like they were ready to uh, be among the elite teams in the ACC, and then at times they looked like they didn't. Um, and-, and you just kind of look at them like, are they ready? Are they not ready? Do I trust them to be ready? Uh, unfortunately right now, uh, they're the third team in a two-team race between Florida State and Clemson. Uh, so they, they got kind of stuck in the in the wrong division um, for them to be peaking uh, at the same time as Florida State and Clemson. So they do have some competition there. But 
Um, I really like the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to do a little foreshadowing that my uh, my defensive player of the year might come from this side of the ball from this team. Um, I don't know, but you return three key starters that are going to be NFL guys with uh, you know with Kel- with Keith Kelsey, uh, Josh Harvey Clemens, and Devontae Fields. Uh, Devontae Fields coming in with 11 sacks last year, looking to improve on that total. Uh, Keith Kelsey had 107 tackles, and Josh Harvey. Clemens led the team in interceptions with three, and he had a bunch of tackles as well. So um, you got a defense, a veteran defense that knows the scheme. you got a couple of Georgia transfers that are familiar with Todd Grantham's scheme. Uh, they're kind of, they've kind of emerged as the leaders of that defense. You have Josh Harvey Clemens, and you have cornerback Shaq Wiggins, who's coming back as well. Um, you know, and, and, and those guys are just going to lead the way over there on defense. And, and you're going to have a, you have a solid, well-knit unit that just seems to be getting it. You know, it just seems like that light bulb's coming on and they're scary team to play right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, this Louisville team is definitely trending up. And, you know, that stat that you brought up, Josh, about six straight years, top 25 defense, that is something that I think is, you know, very surprising to most college football fans. So, um, but, you know, they're not going to crack the top two. And the top two, I think, are definitely in a league unto themselves. And, um, you know, uh, the three of us all had Louisville at number three, but uh, number two and one was about as closely contested as any um, any of the conferences were. But we've got uh, Clemson coming in at number two in the Atlantic. So obviously, last year's uh, national runner-up uh, lost Alabama in the title game. They bring back uh, Heisman Trophy frontrunner Deshaun Watson. Um, so Josh, you know, obviously they've got a lot going on down there in Clemson, South Carolina this year on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the three things that I love most about Clemson are the offense, the offense, and the offense. Uh, you mentioned Watson. Don't forget about a solid, solid back in Wayne Goleman and one of the best receiving cores in the entire nation. On the defensive side, we know Brent Venables can coach defense like a madman, but they got some pieces to replace, and that is one of my reservations about Clemson. Another reservation, very, very tough schedule. They're at Florida State. They have a sneaky, difficult road trip to Atlanta that we'll be talking about Georgia Tech later, and they have a crossover game with Pittsburgh. Um, They're at Auburn, too. Yeah, and that doesn't even, you know, affect their their – That's not an easy game. Yeah. But that could impact their hope for making the college football playoffs if they win the ACC but lose that one. That's a good point. Yeah. and, and that could derail their confidence, and that can, you know, that's a tough game to play, especially to start the season off. I mean, you, you get off on the wrong foot, and, you know, next thing you know, you lose you lose a couple games you shouldn't. Yeah. It's funny you brought up the SEC, though, because, like, um, when we did that pod, I thought Tennessee and Georgia were 1A and 1B. I think Clemson and Florida State are the exact same. There's a, there's a definite possibility that the loser of that head-to-head game will still finish 11-1. and one. And I was trying to look at ways to split hairs, and I noticed this, and this is an interesting quirk. So hats off to the ACC for doing this um, scheduling-wise, but both Clemson and Florida State are off the week before their huge game. So with, team, with both these teams being very, very similar talent-wise, they each have questions but different areas are, are where the questions are. It might just come down to something silly about who is healthier coming out of that bye week, who's less banged up. But um, 
for me, it's just hard to imagine the Tigers having as good a defense without Shaq Lawson and Kevin Dodd. That's why I gave the nod to Florida State, but this is one hell of a team. Yeah, I mean, you. Uh, here's a stat that jumped out at me when I was reading up about Clemson. They, they have 63 freshmen and sophomores. Um, they also lost Mackenzie Alexander as well, um, and they lost starting safety to the NFL. So they, don't, they didn't just lose inside pass rushers. I mean, they lost, their entire defense was the NFL. So um, Brian Venables, or Brent Venables, I should say, um, has – his work cut out for him. Yeah, but Co- Coach, just to interject really quickly, last year, if you remember, coming to last year, they lost. They only had two starters returning, and they still had a top-10 defense. So we know that Venables, you know, it has the coaching acumen to, if of anyone. Uh, to yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's why they're that's why they're 1B right now, because because of Brent Venables. I mean, he can get he can get any unit in this country ready to play. And uh, that that's what I love about him. He's the best defensive coordinator in the country, bar none, um, and he, he is the reason that he can that you can lose that much talent on defense and not miss much of a step. Um, it's a potential problem, and it could be it could be the difference in the Florida State game. But I, I think everywhere else on their schedule, I think they'll be just fine. Um, but on defense uh, against Florida State against Dalvin Cook, I don't know. That's a little iffy to me. Um, they got to really do some work and hit on all cylinders if they're going to win that game, but. You know, going into it, I mean, they could very easily finish 11-1, uh, top 15 defense nationally, and and, uh, and score a million points, and, and still lose the ACC because because Dalvin Cook rushed for 170 yards against a defense that's relatively inexperienced. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just just to hit on one thing that Josh uh, mentioned uh, really quickly was their wide receiver core. Uh, Mike Williams is coming back this year. And if you remember last year, he was uh, he ended up redshirting, not because of talent, but because he broke a bone in his neck. So him and Artavis Scott are, you know, um, might be the best one-two punch of wide receiver in all the country. So don't don't sleep on Sean Renfro. All right. He's uh, a little less welcome, man. Don't sleep on Sean Renfro. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, they, they've got a great wide receiving core, and that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. But our number one team uh, in the ACC is the, uh, the ACC Atlantic, I should say, is the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, the Knolls, you know, are you know reloaded again. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, 68 and 14 in six years at FSU uh, take, after taking over for the legendary Bobby Bowden. And, you know, they need a new quarterback this year, Josh. So who's it going to be? Yeah, that's that's the one pause for concern people have with with Florida State. Is, is Sean McGuire the real deal, or does redshirt freshman DeAndre Francois uh, get the job? We, we don't really know. Uh, the positives for this team, you said reload. That's exactly what they're doing on defense. They've got a bunch of blue-chip kids coming in or were buried on the depth chart last year who are now going to step up. Um, one kid like that. Roderick Hoskins uh, as a uh, second player on the depth chart still had a bunch of tackles. Now that he's going to be the starter, wow, he's really good. So kid like him getting a larger role just means that this defense is going to be steamrolling again. Uh, Coach mentioned Dalvin Cook for the Clemson game. If he runs wild, he's fantastic. He's one of the best running backs in the country, and he has the privilege – of that big, bad offensive line. I think that's the best O-line in the league. So a lot of positives, but but Matt, you were right. That Man, that quarterback battle is 
it's a one one reservation you have. Um, yeah, I think no, and, and I think one of the names you didn't mention there, Josh, though, was Malik Henry and coach. Malik yeah. Henry is coming in as a true freshman, but he is about as as tight sure to start as you can I, get. You can't not start Malik Henry. He's immediately the most talented guy on that roster. Yeah, he's the most talented on the roster right now. Um, I don't care. I don't care who you ask, what you say. I don't care about the experience aspect of it. He's the most talented guy. And behind that offensive line, which is not only best in the conference, I think best best in the freaking country. I mean, they're one of the top O-line units in the country. Uh, and you got Dalvin Cook back there to lean on. Uh, you got a defense that always plays above its head. Uh, you got, you know, you got uh, five stars all over the board. You got, you got, uh, I mean, it, this is going to be uh, one of the more impressive Florida State teams that you see. And I, I think early on, I think early on you're going to see Dalvin Cook really carry this team and really help Malik Henry get settled in. They have a tough one now. They're they're uh, they're at they're they're against Ole Miss in Orlando. It's a neutral site game. Uh, very very you, you could for a tougher opening game, especially with the way Ole Miss is playing right now. So uh, Malik Henry's going to have to settle in. He's got to settle in relatively quickly, but you know, luckily he's going to have plenty of protection. He's going to have plenty of, of help with with uh, with uh, Dalvin Cook, um, and I, I think, uh, and I want to talk about uh, who's going to fill uh, Jalen Ramsey's void. I, I think, I, I, you know, looking at looking at who they got coming in, I, I'm really been impressed with Lamonte Taylor. Uh, going to step in for Jalen Ramsey, Lamonte Taylor coming in from Virginia. Yeah, you know, there, there, there are two guys in that secondary that I'm really excited to look uh, to watch more of this year. One of them is uh, corner Tavares McFadden. Um, he was yeah. a, a big time recruit a couple years back. And then, yeah. uh, and then the ACC's answer to Jabril Peppers is Derwin James. He's a guy that kind of does everything. He, you know, He's nominally a safety, but in that defense, he does a little bit of everything. He's almost like, um, you know, he's all—he's just basically a rover back there. And they line him up wherever they need him, and he plays exceptionally. He's a guy that I'm really, really high on going into this season. I think one thing to remind people of, too, is Florida State can just do what Alabama does, and that is when everything else is top flight, you can get away with B or even C-grade quarterback. Yeah, and one last thing really quickly before we move on to the Coastal. Uh, they did uh, – Florida State, you know, what has plagued them throughout their history is their kicking game, and they lost three-time All-American kicker Roberto Aguayo after he he was a rare kicker who declared early for the draft and still got drafted. And they also replaced their, uh, their four-year starting punter. So they're going to have two true freshmen – um, you know, it, as in the kicking roles, and you know, it's Roberto Aguayo's little brother, Ricky Aguayo, who's going to Aguayo, I should say, who's going to be the place kicker. But you know, we, we've seen so many times Florida State be, um, you know, undone by, by by kicking, and let's just hope for Knowles fans out there that that doesn't happen again this year. Oh, well, they're only they're only undone by kicking against Miami. So, well, yeah, and or or when they have Sebastian Janikowski back there. All right, that'll do it for our ACC Atlantic preview. Make sure you stay tuned for our ACC Coastal preview, as well as our predictions for Conference Champion, Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion.
Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.